anyone have extreme hair loss due to fasting or undernourishment? And if so, did it get better? Hi guys and welcome to another episode of the Meat Medic Podcast. Now today's episode, we are doing something a little bit different. I'm going to be going through a Reddit post that I found recently all about hair loss on the carnivore diet. And I'm going to be looking at the post, reading it out loud for anyone that is not watching on YouTube. Hello, if you're listening in the car, thank you for listening and tuning in. Uh, I'll talk through the post and then I'm going to give my kind of opinion on what's going on, look at some of the comments, read them out, see what we think is going on and explain what I think is uh, is happening. Uh, anyone that's watching on YouTube, I'm going to be sharing my screen so you can see the post, but for the people listening in the car or otherwise on the podcast, I'm going to be reading it out. So let's jump in. All right, so losing so much hair on the carnivore diet. So this was on Reddit posted a few weeks ago by user Flonkerton. Uh, so TLDR, anyone have extreme hair loss due to fasting or undernourishment? And if so, did it get better? Okay, so that's the background. So uh, user goes on to say, I've had a devastating amount of hair loss uh, over the last, uh, sorry, due to mistakes that some carnivores make. Uh, the last three weeks or so, I've had a devastating amount of hair loss. I'm at less than 50% hair now, and I am legit scared about, about going bald. Uh, don't blame them. I'm also pretty much bald. Um, has this happened to anyone else? Is there any hope at all? I'm a late 30s female and so scared that I messed up and won't ever get my hair back. Here's my backstory. Been keto for five years and lost 80 to 90 pounds. Good on you, Flunkerton. Uh, and have had an extra stubborn 20 pounds to lose. The last couple of years, I've experimented with a carnivore, but fell off the wagon and would go back to keto. But about six months, I've committed to carnivore, almost no dairy, and I'm very strict. I felt great until this happened. Sad face emoji. Here are my mistakes. Number one, OMAD, or one meal a day. Every day, I've been OMAD for most of my weight loss journey, which is five plus years. I've noticed my one meal a day got smaller and smaller, and this can cause undernourishment. User obviously knows that's the case. Uh, that can take a few months to show this mistake, hence hair loss six months later. I think they've kind of already answered their own question here, but we'll carry on. Uh, PSMF number two, protein sparing modified fast, two to three days a week. Instead of long-term fast, a couple of days a week. We'll talk a little bit about that. I would only eat one lean chicken breast. I felt like garbage, but thought, oh, well, at least the scale is moving in the right direction. Perhaps the weight loss was all of my GD hair. I assume they mean goddamn hair. Uh, I'd be a lot of hair loss. Uh, I feel so stupid. I feel like I'd be completely bald walking around saying, yep, I'm a moron who didn't realize they were undernourished until it was too late. Anyone else make mistakes like this? Is there any hope in getting my hair back? I've obviously stopped OMAD and PSMF, that's one meal a day and protein sparing modified fast, but I'm still carnivore. I don't even care if I gain weight. It's got to be a sign things aren't good if I'm losing all my hair. Sigh. Hoping I look good as a bald lady. Side note, if anyone has headscarf brand recommendations, that would be helpful too. TLDR, anyone have extreme loss due to fasting or undernourishment? And if so, did it get better? Okay, well, I can certainly um, appreciate what this lady is going through. I'm not a female, but I am male, obviously. And you can see I pretty much have very little to no hair. Uh, you can probably see on the camera now. Um, interestingly, and I'll, I'll give my thoughts on what's going on with hair at the moment. Um, I noticed my hair has actually regrown quite significantly in the last few months. 
Um, a lot of people have been mentioning that hair is regrown on a carnivore diet. Now, I actually didn't find this. I've been carnivore for just over 12 months now, and I will be doing a 12-month update, so make sure you guys subscribe uh, on YouTube, podcast, uh, make sure you don't miss those. That's going to be a really good sequence of, of episodes. I'm going to be putting out quite a lot of information about carnivore, my experiences as a patient, as a doctor, blood work, everything. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that one. Um, but yeah, I noticed that my hair didn't really regrow with carnivore diet. It did grow quicker but it didn't actually fill in. Uh, but people can probably see out there on YouTube, uh, my hair is actually regrowing. I'll put some pictures on my socials, um, at the Meat Medic, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter TikTok, etc. Um, so make sure you guys follow on, you can look at those. But I'll show you the screen. Let me bring it back now. Um, I'll show you what my hair used to look like and what it looks like now. So this is a picture of me. You can see the dates on the screen, 25th of June versus 31st of August. Now, the actual reality is this took about a week pretty much. Now, these are obviously about two months apart, but the actual difference was about a week that I noticed it. Um, I just didn't get any photos in the meantime, which is really annoying. You can see the difference on the screen here. I'll put them up on my socials so people, uh, you know, listening in the car can follow at the Meat Medic on Instagram, uh, all across all the socials. And basically, like, I mean, just the difference is absolutely unbelievable. Um, you guys can see on the screen here, the difference, these are both taken pretty much in the same angle, one slightly zoomed in, um, but same kind of length haircut, number two clippers all over. You can see the difference here. This is unbelievable. And this is what happened when I added in liver. When I added in liver into my diet, that's what made a difference. And later on down in the Reddit show, so I'll post, I'll show you, I actually recommended this user actually start eating liver based on my experience. But let's go back through the post. So this uh, woman, so female is having hair loss. Now, I imagine that's probably pretty devastating as a female, um, generally accepted as a male that using hair is not the end of the world as a female. It's 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 not aesthetically pleasing for most women. They, they, they do not like losing their hair. Um, this is likely, I think, to be telogen effluvium, uh, which is basically, I'll bring up Dermnet NZ here. Dermnet NZ is a fantastic website if you're ever interested in like Hair stuff, skin stuff is absolutely amazing. Best website in the world as far as skin stuff. I use it all the time with my patients. It's amazing. Uh, they're doing excellent work. So this is likely to be telogen effluvium. Uh, and you can see on the screen here, I'm, I'm scrolling through it. I'll put the links in the podcast episode and YouTube episode for people to check it out. Uh, this is a common, this is the name for a common kind of temporary hair loss. It's temporary usually, but we'll talk a little bit about that later. Uh, and it's down to excessive shedding or of the kind of the resting phase, the telogen hair, usually due to some sort of shock or very often kind of chronic stress or malnourishment. And obviously, user Flunkerton was kind of on this already saying that, I'll highlight it here, uh, this can cause undernourishment. So they obviously kind of knew that nourishment, you know, was an issue. Nutrition was probably the cause of this. Um, other things, of course, that can cause hair loss, things like alopecia areata. Again, we'll bring up YouTube here, um, Dermnet, sorry. Typically very, very different. Now, we haven't got any pictures to go on on what Flonkerton's actually having. So it's probably telogen effluvium, but hard to say for sure. But based on just their description is most likely telogen effluvium. Alopecia areata, again, can happen with stress, nutritional deficiencies, um, but it's a slightly different hair loss. It's very patchy kind of hair loss. Again, usually temporary. Male pattern hair loss, of course, androgenetic alopecia. Not likely to be the case, so she's female, but you can get a female pattern baldness. Um, but women can also get this kind of male pattern hair loss as well, which is less common. Um, also, uh, interesting, I mean, she didn't mention white hair at all, but sometimes people get a bit confused between telogen effluvium 
uh, when you kind of get this, um, you, your hair can look white or whiter because what happens is you typically lose the telogen hair, which is the kind of the colored hair, and typically leave the vellus hairs, which are usually quite thin, wispy, patchy, or sometimes quite white, um, sometimes gray. And uh, your hair can actually look quite white. Um, not to be confused, though, with this condition called Canates uh, Subita. I think that's how we say it. Uh, the so-called Marie Antoinette syndrome. Again, I'll put links in the episode description for this, which is basically what happens when you get a sudden kind of shock to the system. Uh, and this is what happens, you know, the typical thing where, you know, the cartoon, you see a ghost and all your hair turns white. This is this Marie Antoinette <laughs> kind of syndrome. Um, also could be potentially telogen effluvium in that case, because you kind of, your, your, your telogen hairs fall out and leave most of your vellus hairs, which can also look white. Uh, but typically that's this Marie Antoinette syndrome. But I'm getting a little bit off topic. I'm going to get rid of that. Uh, you can check that out on Wikipedia or whatever if you're wanting to. Uh, so this is likely that uh, Flonkerton has telogen effluvium, likely down to vitamin or nutritional deficiencies, but we'll, we'll come back to that. So let's have a little look at the comments, see what people have said to her. Uh, so first one, Johnny Z, it will come back. Don't stress. You tried your best. We're all learning. Nice and supportive attitude by Johnny Z. Good job. Uh, you need to up your healthy fats, essential omegas. They call them essential for a reason. Absolutely. Uh, spot on there, Johnny Z. They are essential for a reason. Essential fatty acids, very, very important. Um, fats, uh, insufficient fats will put a lot of stress on your body. I'm not that aware that increasing fat intake is likely to specifically stop or reverse telogen effluvium, but insufficient fat intake will have an issue on your body. It will cause nutritional deficiencies in fat value, uh, soluble vitamins like vitamin A, vitamin E, etc., which can be an issue. We'll come back to those a little bit later. Uh, but also more, uh, less fat can cause stress on your body. Um, of course, OPs are answering. Thank you very much. I've added in back in fat. People are saying eat ribeyes, 80-20 hamburger, lots of butter, bacon. Butter, definitely agree with. Ribeyes, definitely agree with. Hamburger meat, definitely agree with. Bacon, mm, yeah, look, I love bacon. I'm not going to take that away from people, but it can be quite high in omega-6, linoleic acid, which is not ideal. Um, look up Laura Spath on YouTube. I don't know who that is. I'll have to check out her channel. She's a carnivore who lost a lot of hair when she says she was fasting too much. So fasting can be an issue. We do know this. Fasting is kind of like with ketosis. It's what we call a hormetic stressor. And with hormesis, what the idea is here is we've essentially got a needle, a scale between kind of good and bad or advantage and disadvantage. Hormesis is basically referring to at what point on that scale are you? Because what you're doing is having a negative or positive and a negative effect. And where do you lie between those two poles? And the idea of the hormetic or hormetic effect is that ideally it should be mostly positive. So we're actually having a benefit from this thing. Fasting, um, ketosis, long-term ketosis, uh, protein sparing modified fast, all these kinds of things. These are hormetic stressors, the same as heat, the same as cold, fasting, all these kinds of things. If you have too much of it, it can become an issue. You can have too much of a good thing. Uh, I heard it pretty well the other day on a podcast. Someone was talking about, it. I think it was one of Dr. Paul Saladino's podcasts. Um, and he was basically saying, or someone was, the guest was saying, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, fasting is like Spider-Man. Um, I've said that the wrong way around. With great power comes great responsibility. That's the quote from Spider-Man. Fasting is like that. It's an amazingly powerful tool, but it has to be used properly. And long-term, one meal a day fasting can be an issue. It does put stress on the body, which could lead to telogen effluvium. 
some people were saying that when they added vitamin K, vitamin K2 rather, vitamin D, it definitely helped. Uh, ate more red meat, ate more fat, added collagen. Uh, these things can definitely help. Um, OP's answering, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, saying thank you very much. Yes, definitely right. Some people are saying, yes, look, fasting is an issue. I would probably agree with that. One meal a day long-term, especially for females, in my experience with patients, not female myself, of course, it doesn't go that well long-term. And I'm going to talk about this a bit more on my long-term kind of carnivore update. Uh, make sure you guys stay tuned for that one. But it can have issues. Carnivore diet is not perfect. I've said it. Oh my God. Sacrilegious. I know. I know. Absolutely sacrilegious. Carnivore diet is not perfection. There are some issues long-term or can be issues long-term on a pure, strict carnivore diet. So make sure you guys stay subscribed, get subscribed, stay tuned for that, because that's going to be a really good series of episodes. Uh, let's just go down a little bit. I mean, basically, as everybody's saying, look, you know, it's nutritional deficiencies, it's likely to come back. Um, that is probably the case. It's likely to be telogen effluvium. Uh, it's likely to come back. This is usually an acute problem, although it can become chronic. So as Dermnet is saying here, chronic telogen effluvium can happen with no clear precipitating cause. Um, can happen in healthy women 30 to 60 years of age. Typically, telogen effluvium, though, is a temporary problem and it is likely to regrow. So Flonkerton, you can probably uh, not worry too much about it, but you need to look at your nutritional status. Definitely worth getting a doctor to check some of these blood tests. We'll go through vitamins and nutrition in a moment. Uh, telogen effluvium affects about 85% of the hair follicles. As I said, typically you don't lose the vellus hairs, which is around about maybe 10 to 15% of your hairs. Um, it's usually caused by some sort of shock to the system, chronic undernourishment, um, postpartum hair loss after childbirth, pregnancy, breastfeeding, acute chronic illness, surgical operations, accidents, psychological distress, sudden weight loss, unusual diets, probably carnivore would be put into that group, endocrine disorders, you know, so on and so forth. Clinical features, you get this non-scarring hair loss. So that's really important. This diffuse hair loss, it just kind of all falls out. It's not patchy like with alopecia areata. It's just this kind of all over almost hair loss. Um, but there's no evidence of inflammation or scarring. And that is really important because typically the hair will regrow. People get really paranoid that the hair is not going to regrow, but it usually does. But it can take a while, as it says here, generally tapering back over six to nine months. Here it says on Dermna NZ. Uh, nails can also be affected because they are similar. You can get these what we call bow lines with telogen effluvium as well. Uh, it can become chronic, but that is pretty unlikely, but can lead to this female pattern hair loss. Um, usually this is diagnosed clinically. We don't generally do any like biopsies or anything as doctors. We just, you know, you can generally tell people what's going on. You can do like a hair pull test. Uh, as it says here, a gentle hair pull test reveals an increased number of hairs. Most are telogen with a typical epithelial sac. So basically what that means is if you essentially grab some hair, if it comes out very, very easily, and most of those hairs have a white kind of bud on the end. Uh, I don't think there's a good picture here, unfortunately. Uh, if they have a white bud on the end, then they're likely to be telogen hairs. And if a lot of those come out when you kind of just pull your hair, I don't really have any hair to pull, then it's likely to be telogen effluvium. Um, and then basically the patient can be pretty much reassured, but it is sensible to then talk about other types of hair loss to differentiate it, like alopecia areata, male pattern hair loss, etc. But then talking about vitamins and minerals and nutritional deficiencies. 
I already mentioned my hair changes. Again, I'm going to bring it back up on the screen here. This was the difference left and right between eating liver. This was actually about a week apart, despite what the dates say here. I know that's two months. The difference was actually about a week. It didn't take long for my hair to actually start to regrow. So clearly, in my opinion, that means I was slightly deficient on something on the carnivore diet long-term, something that liver gave me. Now, I've very much changed my tune on liver. I used to say it wasn't really necessary. I still think it's not necessary, but I do think it has a lot of benefits. So uh, again, stay tuned for the long-term carnivore update. I'm talking a lot about that. I just want to go quickly through some of the vitamins. Now, this is an excellent uh, article here, the role of vitamins and minerals in hair loss, colon, a review on National Library of Medicine. Again, I'll put a link in the podcast description. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it's a bit of a long, long one. But basically, suffice to say, quite a lot of evidence that nutritional deficiencies can lead to telogen effluvium and other forms of hair loss. So it's, if you're having hair loss, you definitely want to get your nutrients checked. If your doctor's being tricky about it, difficult about it, refusing to check, make sure you, you know, go see a functional doctor. Um, if you're in Australia, look, you can do a telehealth with me or come see me. I'm very happy to check these out for you. Um, let's get into just some of the vitamins. I'm not going to go through every single one in great, great detail. I'm just going to pretty much skip down. There's a really good table here about halfway down. So, uh, table one, the role of micronutrients in non-scarring alopecia and premature graying of hair. Um, premature graying of hair can be this kind of Marie Antoinette syndrome as well, uh, which I think is what kind of Barack Obama famously had when he basically was president. Um, he was, had perfectly gray hair and then by the end of it, he had pretty gray, gray hair, uh, probably due to the stress of the presidency, I imagine. Um, okay, so vitamin D, look, telogen effluvium, that's the main thing we're talking about here. Studies are conflicting, but most authors agree supplementing vitamin D in patients with hair loss and vitamin D deficiency is probably a good idea. If you have vitamin D deficiency, you really want to be getting those vitamin D levels up. Now, my personal preference is sun as opposed to vitamin D tablets. Uh, because the sun gives us so many other benefits. But for this purposes, we really just want that vitamin D to go up. Sun will also lower um, cortisol and stress response. So again, it can be helpful, but vitamin D is what we're looking at here. Um, I'm not going to mention all of these other things, but generally speaking, more vitamin D is better for hair. Uh, vitamin C, crucial in patients with hair loss associated with iron deficiency. Now, vitamin C isn't really required for heme iron absorption, though there may be some potential benefit but non-heme iron definitely requires vitamin C to help it to be absorbed. Now, you're probably not eating much non-heme iron on a carnivore diet because that's coming from plants. But if you are, well, I would wonder why you're doing that. Um, but vitamin C could still potentially help. Um, I actually have a patient who came to me recently with vitamin C uh, issues, and we checked the vitamin C. It was actually perfectly fine, but they were still having issues with their hair. Uh, it was actually on their legs, and mainly it was arms as well. They're actually getting folliculitis, which is a totally different condition. But that can happen from vitamin C deficiency. Really interestingly, though, we checked the vitamin C and it was absolutely fine. And yet they were still having an issue because when they supplemented vitamin C, their hair actually got better. Their folliculitis went away. It's really fascinating. So vitamin C is still important and you really do need to kind of look clinically to see what's going on. You can't just rely on blood tests. And that is a really important factor that I'm going to come back to. Uh, vitamin E, not that much evidence to support it in telogen effluvium, but for other things like um, uh, androgenic alopecia, for example, that could be potentially helpful. Vitamin E, fat-soluble vitamin. Plenty of that in, in, in animal fat, so we don't need to generally worry too much, but if you're having insufficient fat, which this, this patient may have been doing, given they were doing protein-sparing modified fast and one meal a day, 
that could have been an issue. Iron deficiency, definitely a big driver towards hair loss. Um, iron deficiency can happen on a carnivore diet. Again, you would think, nah, this, this can't happen on a carnivore diet. We're stuffing our face with red meat. We're not having oxalates. We're not having plant toxins for the most part. How can you possibly have iron deficiency on a carnivore diet? But it can happen. I've seen patients with it where the iron level is actually going down really very, very interestingly. I don't know if what the really the mechanism is there, whether it's like an oxalate dumping that's causing problems or I don't know, something else. It's just, it's interesting, but it, but it can happen. I have seen it and it is something to just be aware of. Don't assume that your iron levels are going to be absolutely fine because you're eating red meat. In fact, I had a conversation with someone today. We don't have a baseline for them um, other than like three, four years ago, but when they weren't on carnivore, but about three months into carnivore, the iron's not great. It's actually on the low side. We don't know whether that's improving or going down, to be fair, but it's not massive. And they were really confused. Why is my iron low? So we're keeping an eye on that one. I think it's probably oxalate dumping that's having an issue with absorption, but we really don't know. Uh, zinc deficiency, uh, not necessarily a massive issue with telogen effluvium, but really important, most of the patients that I see here in Australia are zinc deficient. It's so common. I mean, literally, probably about 95% of the patients I see are zinc deficient. It's so, 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 so common. You cannot trust the reference ranges. I really want to make this clear to you. Do not trust your doctor if they're saying they're in the reference range. That means jack shit. I'm sorry, swearing. It's a real pet peeve of mine. It's a real bugbear. You cannot trust average reference values. Reference values are based on average population, not you as a person, and certainly not what is healthy. Average population is not healthy. We know this. Latest studies from America show about 93% of people are metabolically unwell, at least one or more risk factors for poor metabolic health. Average population is not healthy. You should not be using average population as a marker for good health. You absolutely have to know what the values are. Now, I don't can't remember exactly off the top of my head the, the units for zinc here in Australia. It may be the same in America, I'm not sure. Um, generally, as a range, uh, Australian units, I'm ranging from, I'm ideally looking for 15 to 25. Reference ranges tend to be like 9 to, to 20. If you're at 9, you're having zinc deficiency. I don't care what the lab says. You're having zinc deficiency. Because when you increase it, everything gets better. Your immune system gets better. Your hormones get better. Testosterone goes up. Estrogen goes up. Sex hormone binding and globulin goes down. Insulin resistance goes down. Insulin levels go down. Cortisol goes down. That, to me, <laughs> says that you're zinc deficient. If everything gets better, when you supplement zinc you're zinc deficient. Like there's really no two ways about it. As far as telogen effluvium or TE, zinc, not so much, not so much data, but possibly could be useful again for androgenetic alopecia. Selenium, very important, especially if you've had a gastric band or anything like that. There will be people out there listening that have had gastric surgery. Selenium can be a problem. I have seen some patients pretty low on selenium on a carnivore diet. It's not super common because it is relatively high, but if you're eating a lot of seafood, then that's not likely to be an issue. That's a really good source of selenium. Riboflavin, I think this is where I may have been having an issue with me personally. Again, with my hair, the difference on the screen between, you know, left and right, basically not liver and liver, pretty massive. I think it may have been riboflavin because I wasn't really eating any liver. I wasn't having any milk. These are two pretty good sources of riboflavin. Biotin, 
I should have been fine in. That's pretty good in liver, but I was also eating quite a bit of eggs. So that shouldn't have been an issue. And I wasn't eating raw eggs. Raw eggs can cause biotin deficiency as well. Folic acid or folate, vitamin B12. I mean, like vitamin B12, there's absolutely no way that you should be low in vitamin B12 on a carnivore diet. Uh, if you are, there's seriously something going wrong. You need to check for things like pernicious anemia, intrinsic factor antibodies, parietal cell antibodies. If you're low vitamin B12 on a, on a carnivore diet, you need to see your doctor. Uh, if you're having metformin, patients with diabetes or PCOS insulin resistance, for example, then you can get B12 deficiency due to malabsorption. But again, you really shouldn't be low on B12 at all, but especially on a carnivore diet. If you are, you need to make sure you go see your doctor. Uh, folate deficiency, uh, whoops, I've got rid of that. There we go. Folate deficiency definitely can happen uh, on a carnivore diet. Again, the patient today, I saw some of the same patient with the iron deficiency, not deficient in folate, but very low normal levels. Now they were doing a pretty decent carnivore diet, no major problems at all. They were actually having liver supplements, which is a really interesting thing, um, but they're still deficient or low, I should say, in their folate. Now, this could potentially have issues uh, with telogen effluvium and with hair loss, uh, but there's not that much evidence to support it there. But just generally speaking, it's good to be reasonably high in your folate. Sources of folate on a carnivore diet, uh, eggs, liver, and if you're drinking milk, milk is a really good source of folate, actually. Surprising amounts of folate in milk. Um, milk is also really interestingly high in um, uh, sorry, iodine for the thyroid which is really fascinating. I never actually knew that. I found that one out recently. So if you're having thyroid issues and you're struggling to get iodine, think about having a little bit of milk. Um, a liter of milk, which to be fair is a, quite a bit, is more than your RDA for iodine, which is really interesting. Uh, vitamin A, so hypervitaminosis A causes hair loss. That's what it's saying here. Uh, screening is recommended in selected cases. Generally, people speaking, I don't think I've ever seen a patient that's too high in vitamin A. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever made a diagnosis of hyper, hypervitaminosis vitamin A. Um, I have made a diagnosis of um, having excessive beta carotene in a patient. Um, they, they had this condition called keratoderma, uh, which is really interesting. I'll see if I can bring it up on, on YouTube. Uh, so keratoderma, um, it's, uh, oh, I've spelt it wrong there, um, is, 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 no, I've got the wrong thing there. Anyway, uh, keratoderma is basically where you get this kind of <laughs> carrot skin, basically, this orange skin. Uh, there's a scene from Skins where, um, Skins, uh, sorry, Scrubs, where um, a patient who's drinking carrot juice, he's actually got orange skin, old episode. Um, but I digress slightly. So um, vitamin A, not a massive issue. So basically, look, vitamins really important for telogen effluvium. Uh, stress, really important for telogen effluvium. And I think this is likely to be what uh, what the user has here, likely to be telogen effluvium. I would suggest they add in liver. I think halfway down, I did actually write somewhere here. Yeah, look, I suggested adding in liver. Uh, if they hadn't already, definitely a good idea. Um, likely this is going to regrow, but they really should be looking at if they have any nutritional deficiencies and if they do, you know, what are they or what can they do about them? So that's it for this episode, guys. I've kind of done a pretty quick fire kind of nutritional, you know, what's going on with telogen effluvium hair loss on the carnivore diet. Uh, there can be other forms of hair loss, as I've said. So most common ones, telogen effluvium, andro androgenetic alopecia, which is male pattern hair loss, um, alopecia areata, or other forms of alopecia, totalis or universalis, which are pretty uncommon. 
Um, you can get things like Marie Antoinette syndrome um, due to kind of chronic stress as well, um, which is this Canates subita um, diagnosis. But most likely in this case, I think is likely to be telogen effluvium. If you're losing hair on a carnivore diet, you need to get some blood tests, check your nutritional status, have a look at your diet. I'd recommend something like chronometer to have a look and get an idea of where your vitamins and minerals are coming from in your diet. And if you're vastly low in something, bearing in mind these are based on RDAs, which are mostly garbage, but it can give you an idea. If you're just super low in folate, for example, you need to think about bumping that up. Um, that was it for this episode, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching on YouTube. If you found this interesting and you want me to do more of this kind of content, talking about things that I've maybe seen on YouTube, uh, Reddit, Facebook, review videos off YouTube, anything like that, let me know in the comments on YouTube. Get in touch with me at social media, um, at The Meat Medic across all social medias or mail at TheMeatMedic.com if you want to email me. Uh, more than happy to have a chat and talk about what we can do there. Um, thank you very much, guys, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you, for this Thank you for listening to this episode of the Meek Medic Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help to spread the word that how, how we can improve mental and physical health through diet and nutrition. If you are interested in improving your own... Okay, let's just re-record that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Meek Medic Podcast. If you found this episode useful, please leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help out the channel to grow. If you have found this useful and you want to improve your physical and mental health further, please do check out my website, themeatmedic.com, where you can find all my eBooks are currently 50% off with the code 50 off. That's code 50 off, five zero off, O-double-F, for 50% off all eBooks. Take care. Thank you. See you in the next episode.